Welcome to Life in the Music Business, a masterclass with Professor Pooch and your host, Bassface. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Life in the Music Business with Professor Pooch. How you doing today, Mr. Pooch? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. You know, <clears throat> crazy as always, you know, still a COVID part 56 or something. I don't know how many days it's been or something. It must be beneficial for you, though, during these times because you can actually work from home and it's not really like you're out of work. Like you don't have really like a, a job to, to really go to. Yeah, I'm lucky about that. Well, you know, it's an advantage of being your own boss and stuff, you know, and doing your thing. Yeah, it's kind of cool because I just work out of the Pooch Palace here, you know, which is my office in my uh, house. And everything's here anyhow. I could shoot videos. I could, you know, play the guitar. Oh, there is a guitar back there someplace. And uh, doing whatever I want to do, you know, microphones for recording and stuff like that and a microphone for recording here. I'm kind of all set for whatever the heck's going on in the music business or whatever I'm doing. I don't know, you know. Awesome. So I know you've been doing a lot of contract work and that type of stuff as well. Yeah, I'm always doing contract work. Uh, we run into this uh, funny thing where, you know, where, you know, without naming people and things like that, is this artist, we'll use it that way because it's the best way to explain it, this artist was afraid that their manager could give them to somebody else because there's a thing in a management contract that says manager can assign artist and wait a minute now, you know, uh, I don't want to, you know, find my, I'm signing with this manager. I don't want to be traded or assigned or lost in a crap game. It's happened folks lost in a crap game to, some other and I find somebody else being my manager and like what the heck you know kind of a thing there is a way to solve that really simply and actually it's good for the manager as well as the artist in this case since I'm using this case uh, where there's what is known as if it's a guy it would be a key man clause or if it's a woman a key woman clause whoever you don't want to lose your manager and what you can state is this key man clause, what it basically states is that if the manager ditches you or sells you or loses you to somebody else, you're out of the contract because the key man is not there in charge of you. See, you should always make it that if it's, it'll always be towards the end of a contract, the manager could assign to somebody else. You know, you wanted to say that most of the time, you want this one manager to be in charge of your career. That's who you're signing with, okay? And you want to make sure that they're not going to just ditch you. Now, they might have office help and stuff, but the person's still in control. With the key man clause, you can make it that, you know, if that guy leaves, you're free. And then, you know, the nobody's going to be able to replace that manager because they're going to lose you as the artist. Wow. You know, yeah, and it's happened with major labels too. Yeah, with that I, never even, I think uh, I actually never even heard of anything like that before. So that's very interesting. It's like a get out of jail free card for an artist. <laughs> well, and the thing is, it's good for the manager too. 
Because say the manager starts a management company or whatever, and they try to get rid of the manager. Well, they, they're not going to want to get rid of the manager if they're going to lose the artist. Of course. It's real. Yeah, they might want you, the artist. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not going to want that. So yeah. it, it, it's really good for both sides, actually. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because, I mean, political side of the game is uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one because, I mean, corporate buyouts and people losing their job because of circumstances between different companies and blah, 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 you know, about all the mergers and that type of stuff. So it's like make sure everything's double checked, you know? Oh, there's no doubt about that. You, you don't want to play games, you know, you know, and if you're you don't want to lose the person you're signing with and stuff. It actually has happened with a major label where that if they got rid of the head of the company, all the top groups had signed a key, you know, a key person clause with that person in charge of the company. So they couldn't get rid of the guy out of the, the company because they would lose all the top artists. Wow. So, I mean, wow. it works. It, I've seen it. It's with a major label, with major artists. And it comes, yeah, so just remember key man clause, it's called, or, you know, it depends, or key person, key woman, you know. But it's a key person. That key person is no longer there for you. Yeah, it's important. I mean, especially, like I said, it goes back to the whole game. I mean, A&Rs get replaced every single day if they're not putting up numbers, bringing in good projects, and... Well, this was the president of a company, but they wanted to get rid of him for some reason. You know, one of the offshoots, you know, the majors have different offshoot companies, you know, subsidiaries, major subsidiaries. But, so, yeah, that's so, that's so crazy. I mean, honestly, that's something that you would never really be able to find anywhere. I mean, there's so many people putting out content and that type of stuff, but to get the real knowledge in the, the, that you have from all these years of doing this, it's just, it's priceless. Yeah, I can't argue with that. It's one thing about, you know, actually experiencing the business. It's like when I was teaching at the Art Institute, Philadelphia, et cetera, et cetera. I said, look, I could teach you from here to forever, but you still got to go out and experience it and see these things. I just try to prepare people, you know, with as much experience as I give them so that they don't get caught in messes and have to go through a bad experience. You know, learn from somebody else's bad experiences. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I learned how to get through the industry. I'm like, I, I always talk to people and just ask them questions and just kind of, I'm, I'm just inquisitive in that way so I can learn and never make those mistakes and cut my learning curve in half, you know? There's nothing like learning on the job. I mean, that's how I learned. There was no music business schools when I started out, you know, some 50 years ago. You know, luckily I started out pretty young, so I'm not, you know, decrepit yet. I'm still flying around, as people know. But um, Stay up longer yeah. than I do. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's nothing like real experience. I, I learned the hard way, you know, through the school of hard knocks and hanging around, you know, the, the major publishing companies, the major labels, the major management. I just hung around them all and I kept my ears open, you know, and listened. And luckily they didn't kick me out, you know. <laughs> you, made it, you made it. That's all that matters. <laughs> well, look, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, if people end up doing basically even what I did, which is spend full time in the music industry, and not have to work for anybody else, it, that's priceless, man, to me, you know. Like I've said, you know, I make a very 
poor employee, you know. So uh, I could not be an employee. I have to be my own boss. I stay independent. I work with a lot of people, but associates. We work together. Nobody works for me. I don't work for anybody else. We work as teams, you know. Uh, and my clients across the country and stuff, it's like I'm part of the family. I'm part of the team. You know, I'm just a legal beagle, you know, and guider or whatever the hell I do, you know, mentor, et cetera. Et cetera. So many things. It's, it's hard to keep track. You need the, you need the. It's fun. The more things I, you know, I love doing all kinds of things. It's, it's fun. I, you know, the worst thing that can happen to a creative person is boredom. Because that's when you get in trouble. You know, your creativity can just as well, yeah, come up with great songs and stuff, but you could also get yourself, oh, everything's bad. It's going to get worse. And you get all this negative creativity. Well, I keep too busy for that. Keeps me out of trouble. (laughs) That's some trouble. That's, That's some tough trouble right there, to be honest with you. Yeah. Always get out of that one clean. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so I mean, it, was, it brings me to an interesting topic. So um, I kind of, kind of, we can start from a question that I have to ask, and then we can kind of work it down from there. So, how do you feel um, is the best approach or best way for an artist to really figure out their brand and, like, even let's just say from in the Instagram and promotion standpoint, how do they know what type of content is best for them and to try and to do certain things to be able to actually get their name out there? All right, we're going to get rid of the word try, first of all. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I put that up on one of my pages, Facebook or Instagram, I forget, about two curse words or try. I, I'll try to, or I think I can. No, just do it, because you're starting out with a negative when you say I try. But yeah, the whole thing with branding and things like that is that's your image. And, you know, you got to figure out who you are. It could be the colors you like the most, the way you want to appear. Uh, Image itself, basically, is what you play, the way you play it, the way you uh, come across to your audience, what the audience sees when they see you, the person, you know, the personality, who you are. That's your image, and you got to get a constant. But a person sometimes has to make several stabs at it because a lot of people starting out don't even know who they are or what they want to do and things like that. You know what I mean? It's one of those kinds of things you don't know. Uh, but look, it, it, we can go from so many angles here. Maybe uh, one angle is, well, I really like the music business, but I don't feel like I'm so talented, but I really want to be in the business. Well, maybe you want to be a manager or you want to be an indie label or whatever. And then you're worried about the image or branding for somebody else, an artist or something like that. It depends on which direction you're coming from. But yeah, the branding and image is very, very important. To me, I find it's the biggest thing for artists because I know a lot of people that have like so much talent that it's literally oozing out of them. And that when, when you're around them, you're like, God bless. Like I can't even, I can't even get to that level. But then you see them and they only have like, let's say the small numbers and they're not really, they don't really understand how to actually put that image together and, and, and do it. And that's why I feel like your three-step program is so essential to everything because you help each individual person go through that. 
Well, yeah, and that, that's really was step three, because your first step, you got to get your business and legal together. And the second step, you, you want to register with everybody and stuff. So you actually get paid and, you know, uh, you actually get paid and you're protected. And so the third step, we put together this. Now, the first thing I do with that is I listen to their music, which gives me a good idea what direction they are. And then I start you know, working with them, what the goals are. We, the goals even are still in the first step and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, we started with the first step on one of our episodes. We probably should continue on with that. Of course. And yeah, we'll get we, back to the third, we'll get back to the third step. But what you brought up is very important. And they should be thinking about their image and their brand and who they are and, you know, and also very importantly, you don't want to copy somebody else. You want to be, who are you? And, you know, it sounds funny because it's easier to see other people than see yourself. I mean, when I work with other people, it's easy for me. I guide a lot of people. But when I work with myself as the artist or whatever I'm doing in creatively in the music industry, you know, it's hard for me because you're looking at yourself. Luckily, I am a walking brand because nobody looks like me, which helps out a little, you know, and I just let it take it from there kind of stuff. But we left off, we were working on the first step, but we covered LLCs and management and partnerships and stuff. And now going further with the first step, we come to a very interesting point where most people are totally confused or don't know exists. But, uh, you know, they don't understand. You have the underlying song that's, you know, if it's regular music, it's not rap, it's lyrics and lead melody. If it's rap, it's lyrics, okay? And you have the song, the underlying song. And then you have the recording of that song. They are totally separate animals. They have totally separate copyrights totally different sources of income, totally different protections, totally different everything. If you look at a CD or any place where it's written, where they actually, nowadays they don't give you much room, uh, some of the uh, digital uh, service providers- you a lot on the bottom of Spotify and- They're starting to do that. the song and scroll down, you can kind of see everything. Yeah, they're finally doing that. So you can actually see it, but you'll see a circle with the C, that's for the song. And then a circle with a P, capital P, little C, capital P. It stands for phonogram, but that's for the recording. So you'll see the publisher, songwriters, you know, whoever owns the song, it's not who creates it, who owns it. That's where you set up your own, what we're doing now is showing you how to set up your own companies. but. The circle with the C is the, it'll say circle with the C, the year, say it's 2020, uh, and your publishing company name. Like for me, it would be circle with the C, 2020, Pooch Stuff Publishing, and I'm with BMI, okay? Now, with the record company, it'll say circle with a P, which, you know, phonogram people don't think about. So think of it as production, okay? The recording, the product from the creation, not the creation, but the product. And the product, it'll say, it could be, for example, Circle with the P 2020 Warner Music Group or Sony or Warner Brothers, you know, et cetera, okay? It's whoever the major 
whoever the label is, it should be your own label. And we'll, we're going to be getting to that. We got it. That's very important to remember because of what we're going to be going through. Now, why should they be separate? Think about it this way. I'm sure everybody has heard a song and then they realize, wait a minute, that's a different artist singing that song. See, and a film might want the song, but not the artist doing that song because they want another artist to do that song. So there's separate copyrights, there's separate forms of licensing. The publishing company licenses the song to the record company, I mean to the film company, and the record company licenses the master use agreement. By the way, about licensing music for TV and film, go to professorpooch.com. To far right, this will be your right, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll see free library and you'll see an article down there, licensing music for TV and film. It's free, it's in text and audio. Okay, so we have, we know they're separate, the publishing and the record company. Now, we're just going to talk, start out with just the publishing company. And again, we went through it on one of our episodes, but just like the artist is a creative person, their business person is a manager. A songwriter is a creative person, their business person is a publisher. We're going to show you how to do both. So you also own your own song because what you're doing as a songwriter, you're signing a songwriter's contract to a publishing company, turning over ownership of your song to the publishing company in exchange for royalties. Well, you want to sign to your own company. Um, uh, why do you sign to your own company? Does it sound stupid to people? It's very important to do. And we went through in the other episode, but just real quickly, it's that you want to be able to copyright when we get to the copywriting section two, we want to copyright the song under your publishing company as the owner with the songwriter listed as the creator. And it's going to say, well, wait a minute, they're two different names. How'd that happen? And you'll see a checkbox that says, by written agreement. You signed a songwriter's agreement to your publishing company. That's your written agreement. Okay. Now, there are three kinds of contracts that come up with this. And let's go through them real quickly. The, there's, if you're signing to your publishing company, you want to sign an exclusive songwriter's agreement to your publishing company. Exclusive means all the songs you're going to write are going through your publishing company. And by the way, if you ever see one, it also covers all the songs you've ever written in the past. Okay? Now, let's say another publisher comes to you and you don't have a publishing company. And they want to sign you to their publishing company. Well, they're going to ask you to sign an exclusive songwriter's agreement, usually, to their publishing company. But I would never sign an exclusive to a publishing company until I see what they can do for me. That means you're taking all my songs I ever wrote and will write for the next two to five years, say, for example, depending on what the contract says. There is also what is known as a per song contract. So I might, if I was starting out and I really wanted this big publishing company, I'd say, okay, I'll give you, I'll, you know, sign over to you temporarily 
three songs and see what they do with them for you. You know, you don't want to sign your life away, your publishing away to, and ownership away. But if possible, please try to do your own, you know, your own publishing company signed to yourself. And if another publishing company comes to you, you use what is known as, and this is a third type of contract, a co-publishing agreement. So we've covered three kinds of agreements, the exclusive songwriter, a per song, and co-publishing between, you know, one publishing company and another. Now, you can get co-publishing money without owning a publishing company. You can just give, let's say somebody co-writes one of you, you wrote 10 songs for an album, and somebody wrote three songs for you with you, I mean, I'm sorry, with you, you co-wrote. Well, what you do is have them sign, if they don't have their own publishing company, have them sign a per song agreement for the three songs to your publishing company, and you give them back a piece of the publishing. That's fair. I, I like to do that. And by the way, the way the money splits, correct, correction, the way it should split, it's 50% to the songwriter, 50% to the publisher. That's what it should be, okay? So you, you co-wrote maybe these three songs. They would, you know, co-write, and they would get a co-publishing agreement back. So where they get a piece of the publishing, and they're paid their share of the songwriting. If it's 50-50 with songwriting, 50-50 with the co-publishing, great. So that covers the three main kinds of contracts you'll run into which is the, you know, the, the exclusive songwriters where you're signing everybody to your, you know, yourself and maybe other people to your publishing company exclusively where all the songs are covered or a per song for just a few songs to your publishing company and a co-publishing where you're sharing it. Now, the only other thing that's going to come up contract-wise is licensing. If somebody, some film company comes to you and says, hey, I want to use, you know, one of your songs in my film. Well, great, you know. So you license them to use the song. You don't give them the song. They don't buy the song. You license them. Like, for example, one of my songs has been in three different films. I don't give it up. I just let them, I license it so they can like, kind of borrow it for their one film. And that allows me to license it to another film and another film, you know, and continuously do that, you know, and that will come up. Uh, there's also other things that can come up with this um, songwriting and publishing, but they're the main things to think about uh, contract-wise, okay? Now, if you want to get paid, and we're going to get into this deeper, when you, how do you legitimize yourself as a publishing company? Well, you have to go, if you're in the United States, it's ASCAP or BMI or CSAC. There's one other, but they only take like the top 25 writers in the country. I'm not going to get into that even. And ASCAP and BMI are the most, the easiest to get into. CSAC, sometimes you, they, you know, you have to be invited, quote unquote, and stuff like that. But you have to, they legitimize your name. 
okay? They might ask for five different names. And which is better ASCAP or BMI? They do the same thing, basically. The costs are different. As of this moment in 2020, it's for free for a writer with BMI and the publishing company, if you're a sole proprietor, you're by yourself, that's 150, I think. If you're an LLC, it's 250. If you're an Inc., I think it's 350. ASCAP, it's $50 for a writer, $50 for a publisher. Okay, and they basically do the same thing. What they handle is airplay only. People like, that's why split sheets to me are BS. Because split sheets, they basically say, okay, well, ASCAP's going to pay you for this. You got to sign up with ASCAP and they're going to pay you for use of your song and stuff like that. But that does not cover licensing. Okay. It just covers airplay. That means the use of your song live or recorded over the air. It might be in a club. It might be on the internet. It might be on broadcast radio, et cetera, like that. And that basically, <clears throat> excuse me, in short, covers the songwriter and publisher. Okay? Yeah, that's very interesting, honestly. I mean, there's so much that goes behind it that you wouldn't even really know unless you really learn the business. And that's why I feel like even if you don't want to be part of the back end of the business, it's still very, very essential and important to learn to be able to actually make money in this business. Because as you just explained everything, without these, like the, the organizations that you set up for yourself, your LLC, sole, sole proprietorship, your publishing company, you cannot actually get paid. I mean, I've seen people be sitting there for, for years waiting for their money, but they never turned into proper paperwork or gave the label the, the right information to actually pay them. So the money just sat there. Well, yeah, and there's several things we'll get into when we get into step two, but people think they just sign up with ASCAP and BMI, they're gonna be paid. No, you then, in step two, we'll explain how, you learn how to, you have to register each individual song so ASCAP or BMI can track them to pay you. You know, if they don't know what songs you have, some people think, oh, I'll just join ASCAP or BMI. No, you got to register it or have somebody register it for you that you trust. But you, if you run your own publishing company, you're going to learn how to register it yourself. And it's free to register, to track and stuff like that. And we have to do a show at some point uh, on metadata. <laughs> That is when we get into the recording end, and I guess I can cover it through the record company and recording and the studio end, but you need this metadata, which is very important. There's this, if, I don't know if you've heard of the MMA, the Music Modernization Act, but starting in 2021, the MLC, Music Licensing Collective, is gonna be responsible for collecting licensing uh, you know, collect, not, excuse me, not licensing, but collecting your mechanicals. And I should go into one thing to keep in mind. Like I said, ASCAP cover, a BMI covers your airplay. But a lot of people don't know about this other source of income that's very strange. Mm. And that is, if you... If you're listening to broadcast radio, that's just airplay. Mm. If you're listening to an internet station that just plays what they play and you just 
hear what they're playing. But if you're choosing which song you want to listen to, like on a Spotify or something like that, when you pick the song you want to listen to, that's a download, believe it or not, even though you're listening to it, and that's a mechanical license kind of a thing. It gets really strange because it's streaming, you know, through the internet, but it's also considered a download. And these are, that's why you got to learn all this stuff and, or have somebody there doing it for you. And you managers out there and stuff and publishers, people wanting to be publishing companies, you got to learn this stuff because you got to make sure the artist is doing this stuff or you got to do it for them to make sure the artist is getting paid so you get paid. You know, if you're the manager. Of course. I mean, that's an important thing. You got you to watch the money. You got to know where it's coming from. I know that there's the other services like uh, Sound Exchange and Song Trust. And those oh, we'll get into all them. That's step two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll say it real quickly, though. Just like ASCAP and BMI pay people, the songwriters and the publishers, Sound Exchange pays the artists and the record companies for the streaming and stuff. And we'll get into that more in detail. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably a lengthy topic, just like the rest of everything that we had. Well, yeah, but the idea is, look, you know, people say contracts, oh, business. Get it over and done with. The way I set people up with my three-step thing, once you set up and you stay independent, you're set for life. You could just keep doing You can use the same contracts, you know, I write for them or whatever, over and over and stuff like that. You know, as long as it's the same circumstances, if it's different, you adjust them. But, you know, yeah. I feel like we have to break the stigma of the contract. I feel like that's another curse word of the industry. As soon as you hear contract or splits or whatever points, any of those type of terms, people automatically run for the hills because they do not want to sign anything. And I know a lot of people doing business that aren't in contracts that are investing money and doing things along those lines into artists. And it's, it's a catch 22 at that point. I mean, you can't really do much. Oh, well, yeah. And you know, I like, you know, different people say, Oh man, I don't, I'm not going to sign any contracts. Well, you're not going to be sure you're going to be paid either or protected. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, like I say, you know, you think, you know, Dr. Dre or Jay-Z or any of those people don't sign contracts. They sign contracts. They want to get paid. Okay. Just, you know, yeah. Don't just sign a contract. If somebody gives you a contract and says, yeah, just sign it. I would run away because there's not something, not only something wrong with that contract and something wrong with the person giving it to you. You need to take it to like an entertainment attorney or some a manager, somebody that knows the industry inside and out to double check to make sure it's in your best interest. I mean, look, a, a manager or whomever is it's trying to sign you is going to look out for themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a business. But you need somebody looking out for you also. You know, you need protection. So a real a legitimate manager, label, or whomever is going to say, look, here's a contract. Take it to your attorney or whoever's representing you. Check it out. And then let's talk. Because contracts are negotiable. And, you know, people, oh, the, one of the bad things about contracts, people will buy them cheap off the internet. This, they're templates. Yeah. They, they're not set for you in your situation 
and something you're going to hear me repeat probably on many episodes. It's not always what's in a contract that can hurt you. It's been what's left out that could, you know, that if inserted correctly, could save your ass. Yeah. It's that simple in pure English. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you mentioned to me about the, the I think you brought it up before too, about the company that lost like a hundred million or a hundred billion dollars. Several hundred million dollars. I think it was an airplane company because one comma was in the wrong place. You can look it up. I, I, I forget which small one air, airline. Excuse me? Um, I said small things like that matter. I mean, even the capitalization of a word could make or break your, your entire career. That's true. That's true. And uh, matter of fact, if you ever see it in a contract, a, a word that is capitalized and you wonder why, it means that it's a very important term and there's probably a definition 30 pages down the road in that contract. And yeah, I know contracts are scary, but be with, you know, work with people that you know can protect you, that think, look in your best interest, or take it to a good entertainment attorney who knows the music industry inside and out, and then, you know, do it correctly. It's worth the few bucks and whatever. Yeah, it costs some money for contracts and get people to watch out for you and stuff. At the same point, let's say you sign a contract that's a mess, mm. and then you're stuck for a couple years afterwards in a contract that you can't get out of, you're not making any money and you got a disaster and not only losing money, you're losing time, you're losing effort, you're losing your career, you know? Yeah, and it's a tough thing. I mean, you can, like, like you've taught me as well is that you can't always represent yourself. When it comes to like your business, you need to have somebody else handle it because that's, it, it just gets too hairy in that, in that regard. You have to have somebody be able to represent you as well. That's true. Um, like I represent a lot of people, you know, through contracts and just, I play the bad guy for a lot of people, but when I do my creative stuff, somebody does it for me. They're the bad guy. See, this comes up, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, this comes up, let's say you're going to be working with the producer and you're the artist. Well, you don't want to be fighting up and back with the producer and then work peacefully within the studio because some of this yelling and screaming or whatever might hold over. This way you could, you know, people could say, well, talk to Pooch, he's making me do that, you know, you know, it's his fault, you know, and, you know, uh, and that way they let the, that's why if you go with a major label, they're gonna have a, one of their lawyers and you're gonna have one of your lawyers and the two lawyers argue it out. You want to be peaceful with the people you're working with, whether it's a producer or whatever. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Like, I was actually watching something earlier. It's actually, uh, it's 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 pretty funny. It was it was actually on Shark Tank, and somebody had uh, they had offered him a deal, and he he pointed at both of the the sharks and was like, "You're out, and you're out. I don't need none of you guys," and ran out of the room. And it was it was, kind <laughs> of, it was shocking to me because it was like, wow, like some people just they burn you you can burn a bridge and just ruin your entire career or future yeah. just because of the things that you say or the things that you overreact about or do in the moment you know yeah and you said something very important and that is about burning bridges it does not pay to burn bridges i've seen <laughs> through my years of course i've seen a lot of stuff 
but I've seen somebody really yelling at the secretary because the secretary won't let him go to see who he wants to see. And he yells at the secretary, and that secretary, several years later, is the president of the company. <laughs> and you just screwed yourself. And, and, you know, my thing is never burn bridges. Always be, you know, polite, nice, be professional. And my definition of professional is respect. You respect your own art, you respect other people's art, you respect people. Yeah, it pays. And the thing is, I'm lucky, I, you know, I've learned, you know, they, like they say, people change, okay? That's true, but they can change in two different directions. I mean, I, I could think of several clients through the years where I could have burned bridges because they were just being weird and stupid, but a few years later, we end up talking again, and their life had changed around, and, and they were in a better situation, and it ended up being a very nice relationship for several more years. Huh. You know, you just never know, you know? But yeah, and which brings up another thing with the contracts, people have to understand, you're not signing with a piece of paper. You're signing with the person who's giving you that piece of paper. And I've heard things like, oh, with partnerships and stuff like that, it's funny to say, but I've known him all my life. Or that's my sister. Or, you know, you know, it's, it's my girlfriend's brother. I mean, I've heard all kinds of things. I'm sorry, people change, and people change people, and situations change people. Maybe they're in good shape and everything's fine, and then they get under the gun five years later. You know, that's why people don't understand when I do, deal contracts and stuff, why I'm always thinking 10 years ahead of the time. Because a good attorney's gonna be thinking what? could happen in their career. You know, it's not just today. You think you're signing today. Yeah. But what could happen several years down the road in your career? You got to think that way, folks. But that's for people like me, entertainment attorneys and stuff like that. Let me clarify again. I am not an attorney. I'm a contract specialist. I've taught a lot of attorneys and attorneys hire me for, for some strange cases and stuff like that you know, for contracts and stuff like that. But I'm not an attorney, folks. I'm just making that clear. Yes, I write contracts, but I'm not an attorney. Makes sense, yeah. I mean, that's an important thing, the, the differentiation, the, the, to be able to differentiate between the two things because a lot of people think that, I mean, they believe certain things that have been told in their whole life and that becomes their truth, you know? So it's, it's knowledge is, is super important in this case. Yeah, and the important thing of what we're also attempting to do in this show is that it's very important not only to get the knowledge and make it so it just sits there in your left side of your brain, you really have it and stuff like that, but also how to use that knowledge. And that's one of the main things I'm doing my best to get across in this show when it comes up with things is how to use that knowledge that you're learning. So it's giving you an effect experience, even though you haven't experienced it personally yourself. Yeah, and the great thing about this too, is that everybody can go back and re-listen to everything. It's not just a, it's not like a TV show where you watch, you watch one episode and you're just waiting for the next season to come in or whatever the case. I mean, you can go back and re-listen to everything and always pick new things up. I mean, 
I've read the same book about 30 different times. And each time I read it, I <laughs> learn something new. It's, it's just how it goes. That, no, that's a good point. Yeah, there's been like certain uh, shows that and things like that where I need to hear it a second time. And then, you know, <clears throat> that happens with one of my books, matter of fact, The God Didn't Create Alarm Clocks, which is basically a self-empowerment book for uh, creative people. And people say, well, they read one of my sayings, like, you know, uh, and I gave, I, actually, I gave a couple today, but like, you know, one third, you know, making the music industry, for example, is one third talent, one third luck, and one third persistence. If you, you know, are really persistent, you have a better chance of being in the right place at the right time, so you're making your own luck. And it might not hit them the first time they read it, but then all of a sudden said, wait a minute, this thing just came up because they were persistent. They were, if you're sitting back, you ain't going to get nowhere. You got to make your own luck. You have a better chance of being in the right place if you're persistent. These are things, you know. So you read different things. Sometimes you're going to take it different ways. I know in my book, it's happened to different people say, well, I got this the first time I saw it. And then the second time, wait a minute. He also means this, or, you know, and... It's how you've got to fit it to you and your life. And your life could change and say, oh, that didn't make sense before, but now I needed that, you know. And that's with any, any learning kind of a thing. Sometimes you have to hear things several times. And this show, you're welcome to listen to as many times as you want, you know, whatever helps you to learn. You know, don't feel funny about it. I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you. Mm -hmm. That's why when I have clients and stuff, I always record the conversation with the client. I, I say, I warn them, look, I don't want you to have to sit and take notes the whole time because then you're not listening and we're not having a conversation. You're taking notes. Yeah. The idea is I want to be able to record it for them so they can listen and we talk up and back and then they can listen to the audio later, you know. Of course. And that's that's the best advice <coughs> with this is that you kind of just got to soak up what you can at the moment and don't get overwhelmed i mean there's so many things that that we were talking about and pooch is explaining that are that take a, a long time to really process and learn and be able to practice into your your everyday life in the music business so being able to just just be relaxed and just kind of soak up what you can as you go along will be the best approach for all of these things yeah i mean look i've been guiding people's careers for 35 years but i'm still learning new stuff too i mean when you think you know it all you're dead but you you saw i mentioned before about the mlc that's new you got to know what's happening today and it should be fun it shouldn't be oh i gotta learn something make it fun it's your career look you have a choice you can work hard for yourself or you could work hard for somebody else to make their dreams come true. Why don't you work hard for yourself and make your own dreams come true? Exactly. You don't want to work hard for McDonald's or some other, uh, whatever kind of company or whatever. I, I always take it out on McDonald's. I don't know why. <laughs> but, you, you know, you could work for some other company. You have to work hard there. So why not work hard for yourself? And when I say work hard, I mean, I work 14 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week. But it's fun to me, you know, I love learning new stuff. It's fun. You know, it's always something new with the MLC and these court cases. I have to, it's good for my clients. I'm a troubleshooter. So when there's problems, help pooch, help pooch. Well, I got to know what's going on. The court cases and all kinds of things going on uh, that are happening. And we'll try to keep it totally up to date on everything that we can. So, I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot today and uh, it's a, 
it's gonna be a, a good amount for people to process. So I feel like that's a that's a good ending point for our today's episode. And I will tell them that the next step, the next th- things we're gonna go into with this step one process is record companies, how to form your own record company, and then your studio work, dealing with producers and stuff like that. All the way, we'll be leading down to dealing with your music videos and stuff. We're going to be covering everything you should be thinking about in the music industry. So I guess it's time for me to say, tune in for the next episode. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Tune in for the next episode. Thank you.